Nature assigns the sun. That is astronomy. Nature cannot enact a friend. That is astrology. Welcome to Millennial Mystics, a podcast about modern mysticism and the people making it theirs. Together, we explore all angles of mystical subjects for both beginning and advanced practitioners and bring marginalized voices front and center. Prepare to laugh, learn, and decondition. So grab a pen and your grimoire and let's get going. Welcome everyone to Millennial Mystics Podcast. This is the foundational episode on astrology. Um, Welcome folks who are kind of new to astrology. If you're familiar with astrology and want a refresher, this is definitely a good episode for you too. We are going to be covering a brief overview of astrology, what it is, how we plan to reference it. and sort of our take on the various parts of it in just like a very, very quick way. Um, Yeah. So welcome. Yeah. Welcome, guys. I'm looking forward to getting into it because astrology is a favorite subject of mine. Um, It's a subject that I feel like you can dive into and never feel like an expert on. There's so many layers to it that it's just always something to absorb. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is going to be sufficiently in depth that even people who think they know astrology will find things that are good for them. I'm a big fan of not approaching things with, I know, but more, what else can I learn about this? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that one of the things that's going to be valuable in this episode is that it's not a prescribed view of astrology. It really is a personal view of astrology from our perspectives. Um, so yeah, I think that that our insights are going to feel fairly unique to you guys and, and like a new take on things, um, even if you're already familiar with the subject. So I hope, I hope you enjoy it. Um, we are going to start with sort of our personal relationship to astrology, uh, starting with our signs. So there are going to be some terms that we're going to use right now that we'll get into definitions of uh, later. But example, I am a Scorpio sun with a Sagittarius moon and a Sagittarius ascendant or rising. Same thing. Yep. And I am a Pisces sun and moon and a Gemini ascendant which is less fun since we both have two of the same signs in our big three. Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) It just means that we have a lot of that energy. 
For sure. We, we deeply identify with it when you have them stacked like that. It's, it's something that's very reinforced. Um, that being said, even though I have the stacking of Sagittarius, Moon, and Rising, and we'll get into what those mean in a little bit, but even though I have that stacking, for me personally, I do identify very strongly with my Scorpio side. I, and a lot of people, even though I have that Sagittarius rising and people do see me as extroverted enough, um, a lot of people do view me as Scorpio. And that's for other reasons that we'll definitely get to um, in this episode. But uh, yeah, it's it's a nice nuanced way to view a person. And those three, those are definitely the big three. And we're looking forward to getting into why that is. Um more info on like my own personal relationship with astrology. Everybody knows their sun sign. It's the one that um, I think gets drilled into us. It's, you know, the, it's all the of one the- that you identify with on the dating apps. Oh yeah. So, like, what's your apps. sign? You put that on there. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's also, I mean, it feels very like 60s, 70s, like, what's your sign, baby? Like, you know, it's, <laughs> that's your sun sign. That's what everybody's talking about. But really, they should be asking for your Venus and your Mars. Um, <laughs> it's so true. It is. We'll get into it. Um, so yeah, knowing my sun sign, I knew that really early on. Um, you know, these were, these were all subjects that I was really comfortable with as a kid. And so as soon as I like heard what a Scorpio was, I'm like, oh yeah, that's totally me. I'm so mysterious and dark. Um, you know, but it was, (laughs) it was also like a little bit of license to, to embrace that. I think with some of the more difficult for lack of a better term, um, signs when you, when you have it in there and you read it and it's validating, that's really empowering. Um, and I, I think that adding all of these layers and nuances to the rest of the study of astrology for you guys is going to be incredibly validating. Um, definitely. Yeah. So deep well, you've on- been into astrology for forever. So when kind did of, you kind first of. get into it? No. So I actually, astrology is a fairly new one for me. Oh um, yeah, I know. Surprising. Right. But, um, like a typical Scorpio, I dive into things <laughs> hard and deep. Um, so astrology as a seriously studied subject is really only a year for me. Um, maybe a year and a half. Uh, but I, I really only started studying it with, with sincere earnest in the past year. Um, I was comfortable with the idea of my chart. I, I knew all of my placements. I barely understood my houses. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a fairly new thing for me to really peel back those onion layers. Um, but I I knew what astrology was and I understood my sun sign and I understood other people's sun signs probably about as early as I would say 11, 11 or 12. I think 12. I learned about my sign from you. That's, pro- that's probably true. Um, yeah, because I'm like, oh, we are both water <laughs> signs. We're so watery. We're mermaids. I hated <laughs> when I read about Pisces when I was a kid. I was like, oh, I'm so weepy. Wow. Except that it was true. 
Yeah, I mean, we're water signs, we're weepy. Not yeah. that you would ever see a Scorpio cry. Uh, we do, you just don't get to see it. Sorry, mm-hmm. you're not You're not so lucky. Um, yeah, if you do see a Scorpio cry, you should either be like super afraid or super excited. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my God, I'm so blessed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, tell us a, lo- a little bit about um, your background with astrology. Sure. So I was fascinated by it as a kid, as always. Sure. And like, you know, the Catholic upbringing, anytime I wanted to read my horoscope or read about my sign, I was like, this is the devil's work. It's witchcraft. So yeah. So I was always like secretive about it Mm. whenever I was uh, looking into it or reading about it. I didn't really take it seriously until it was 2012. And I remember this because a friend of mine, like a mutual friend with my best friend, had told me that she was like, oh yeah, you're such a Pisces, like yada, yada. And then she had found my, she told me how to like figure out my moon and my ascendant. And she was like, and the thing, the, the phrase that caught me and made me want to learn more was she said, oh, you have so much duality. And I was uh, like, oh, that's intriguing. I want to know what that means. That's a great word in, uh, in yeah. astrology for sure. So just like I do with any hobby, I had to ask about a book because I can't adopt a hobby unless I've read like at least one about mm-hmm. it. So she recommended to me Linda Goodman's Sun Signs. Oh, Linda Goodman Sun Signs. <laughs> Classic. And for those of you, I feel like it's the gateway drug. Oh, for sure. And I feel like Linda Goodman's sun signs is like that very 60s, 70s. What's your sun oh, sign, sure. baby? I mean, like that's where that it's came so from. dated. Oh, oh my it's God. so dated. Yes. My favorite part, just so you guys realize how dated it is. And this is, I think it was published in 71. That I want to sounds- say maybe like 69, 71. So very um, like new age times. Oh, sure. But the best line I read in there was about Gemini woman. And it said, this is a woman who won't want to leave her secretary job after you get married. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh my God, (laughs) this is horrible. Oh no. So yeah, be warned. If you pick up Linda Goodman's sun sign, uh, it is super dated and offensive. But so just know that. Pretty but it was hilarious my for that. Drug. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think that that's and how that, a lot of people started, especially when like we were kids. That that was one of the few books available on it, at least in the library. You know, right? Because there was like nothing super horrific about it, really. It was yeah. just very straightforward. Right. I do like the description she has for children especially. Oh. So if you're a mom and you're just getting into this or a dad and just getting in this or just, or just a, a parent. parent. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> it's, I love the descriptions, but somebody did us a favor and uploaded all the children descriptions to the internet. So just Google it. Anyway, so that was my first introduction to it. And from there, I just would research things a lot on the internet by myself and read all up on it. 
And the next book that I got was called The Only Astrology Book You'll Ever Need. And that does a big deep dive into birth charts. Who wrote so that? that's like exploring all the other topics and planets and houses and all of that. So that was my next venture. And, you know, after that point, like you kind of develop your own shorthand when you start studying astrology. So from there, it's just been, I'll listen to whatever I can on that friend who's always pulling up people's birth charts at weekends away and parties and stuff like that. So it's just become like my, my way to kind of I'll make assumptions about people, but it also, it just helps me function better in the world when I know things about people. Cause I can be like a little more, um, chill about them. I'm well, like, I th- oh, this is just part of their personality and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that also reflects quite a bit on how we're planning on using this. So, you know, we introduced ourselves as our, you know, main three, you know, the sun sign, the moon sign and the rising sign. And Our intention is to, when we have guests on, um, have them share that as well. So you can really like see people as, you know, how they express these various um, nuances of themselves and how you can relate to them if you have any of those signs and those placements. Um, And yeah, it's a great party trick for getting to know the people around you in a very new situation very quickly. Um, And yeah, that's absolutely a function of how we're going to be using it. We want you to get to know these people very quickly just from that Um, because it does, it it resonates. It's, it's, it, it really works. Can I share my shorthand for sun, moon, and rising, even though we're not getting into it? Please. Just yet. So there's this Japanese saying that I th- that I use to explain it with people. And the saying is, everyone wears three masks. The one they show the world, the one they show family and friends, and the one no one sees. Uh. And I say, the mask you show the world is your rising sign. The mask you show family and friends is your sun sign. And the mask no one sees is the one you show your is is your moon sign because mm. that's your kind of like instinct and gut reactions. Yeah, absolutely. I can absolutely see that. Yeah. But we're going to get into all of that later. Yeah. Oh, we'll do the dive. Don't worry. And we got to make a note about what system we're using. Yes, for the advanced yeah. ones. Yeah, so we'll be using the Placidus house system. We will not be using whole house system um and that we'll get into in a a much deeper dive in an astrology dedicated episode um, because uh, I, I do not use whole house and I find that there's a great richness in the Placidus house system. Um, but in a deep dive episode, we'll, we'll talk about the various different houses and all of their merits. But for us, for the purposes of this foundational episode and for the purposes of reference, when we get into it in, in future episodes, we are using the Placidus house system. And for you newbies, if you turned her out, I did too. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Uh, I have... Plenty of Sagittarius in my chart. I am happy to just talk and talk and talk. And if you're listening or not, I'm not going to stop talking. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) 
Fair enough. We have that in common. That's why we started a podcast. Sure is. Well, other reasons when we get into human design, but we'll get there. Don't worry. Right. (laughs) So to kick it off, I'm going to do a very quick overview on what is astrology and a little bit of its background. So at its most basic, uh, Encyclopedia Britannica calls it the ancient art or science of divining the fate and future of human beings from indications given by the position of stars and other heavenly bodies. And that's pretty accurate for what it was. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that that definition for what it is modern in modern times but it fits with its origins so for about 2000 years astrology was actually the same as astronomy it was literally just studying the stars in the sky and the way astrology became an offshoot of astronomy is that it was used in predictions but it started very simply so the main predictions that the Babylonians who are credited with fleshing out what we know as modern astrology, like the 12 houses and everything, the 12 houses, the 12 signs, they used it to predict things that were reoccurring. So for example, the wet season always coordinated with Aquarius when they could see Aquarius in the sky. So that's basically how it got this reputation for predicting the future but in actuality, it was really just used for predicting the seasons, the same thing. And it also explains why, you know, whenever NASA tries to come out and say that your sign has changed, it has not changed, okay? Because there are a bajillion constellations. These 12 are just representative of different times of the year. And they coordinate with seasons more than anything else. So... That's basically what you need to know. It's really an old system. They can't quite pin down when, like, who's been credited with what. The Babylonians are considered the ones who popularized it, but we obviously use Roman names for all of the planets. That stuck because basically if the Egyptians had something, the Babylonians expanded on it, the Greeks got it, and Plato and Socrates did tons of work on astrology slash astronomy. And then I believe the spread of it is... Colonialism? Who was it who spread it, basically? The Romans. Um, well, it doesn't really matter, honestly, because it's it's so no. old that you can't really pinpoint any one culture. It even some people say it dates back as early as Mesopotamia. Right. And one of the first cave drawings is actually a constellation wheel that was on a wall of a cave that could you could really only see, like make out what it was at sunset because the sun was shining on that wall. So basically they were able to see this constellations in the early evening and that was how they documented it. So yeah, it's hard to pin down, but generally the Babylonians is who we can thank for astrology. Horoscopes are bullshit, basically. Like they're fun. We have a good time with them. I will always read them in the back of a magazine, but they're not real. Astrology nowadays is all about basically how the planets have influenced your personality. 
It's not necessarily about predicting the future, although you can read how the planets are interacting with each other every day and that affects our current affairs and what's going on. It's going to affect every single person so uniquely that horoscopes based on your sun sign or your rising sign, they're just, there's no way for it to be totally on point with your life. Yeah, absolutely. And, and part of that goes into why we um, are using a specific house system. Um, when using that house system, horoscopes stop making sense. Um, it's too individualized. Uh, there's, there's, really no way to get that broad of a reading for people yeah. when you when you're actually using the house system and it's really important that we do um so in a way the people who say that astrology is bullshit are kind of right it's just that they're approaching it with their knowledge of it which is just based on horoscopes right yeah oh, absolutely in that way astrology is bullshit. Yeah. So I think a reasonable place to start that will be, um, you know, comfortable for a lot of people who are new ish to it is to start with the signs themselves. Yeah. We're going to do signs, then planets, then houses. Yeah. Really straightforward and simple. Like those are the main things that you need to be able to grasp what we're bringing up in each episode. Um, and it's also things that you can take with you after this and actually use to read your own chart because we're (sighs) going to talk some shit about (laughs) CoStar. For sure. Yeah. Um, I am, I am not a fan of the grid layout for the way that they read. They also don't use the Placidus system. Um, but that's another episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're going to talk some shit about CoStar. We're going to talk some shit about all of the, the various apps and why really you need to empower yourself with this knowledge so you can go and read it yourself because the, the apps are limited by algorithm and uh, it's, it's and actually- they've got an agenda. They want you to check them. They do want you to check them. Um, and don't get me but if wrong. If you want to follow along, you can oh, yeah. go to astro.com for us. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Astro.com is the one that we're going to use. And also, if you do feel like being dragged every day, please use CoStar. <laughs> yeah. It's so mean. It really is. I'm like, why are you attacking me like this? The world is hard enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, like, I didn't have mom issues, but I feel like I do now. <laughs> Damn, co-star, why you do us like that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so getting into the signs, um, if you go into astro.com, uh, that's a good place to start right now. If you want to follow along with this episode, what you're gonna do is go to the top right where it says my astro. Um, you're gonna type in your information to the um little box that will pull up your chart. And what you'll get is a circle diagram and then a stepped grid. And it's going to look like a foreign language and like painful math problems when you pull it up, but we're going to walk you through how to do that. Um, But the important thing right now, which you don't need your chart for is signs. 
science we can go yeah. over. Um, and really that's mostly talking about the energy that's involved with each of the signs because you'll feel the energy of the signs when you think about the planets, when you think about the houses, the energy is really the important part for you to understand before we get into the more complicated stuff. Totally. So also, yeah, you're going to need your birth time and place. So text yeah. your mom right now. Yeah. And I, I feel for folks who don't have their birth time listed on their birth certificate. I've gotten a few folks when I've done readings for them that, that don't have that information. Really, the only thing that you can do is try to connect with the, um, I guess, the town clerk where you were born to see if they can find that information. Um, but, but sometimes it's lost. Folks who have been adopted who can't get that information. Um, it's difficult, you know, and so you, when you don't have that information, that, that detailed information is what gives you your rising sign. So if you don't have your birth time, what you can do is first you can get a professional astrologer to do this astrological forensics with your chart. You talk through it, um, things about your personality. They'll take a look at the general times of the day that you were born and the location that you were born um, and sort of pinpoint the part during the day that seems to line up best with your experiences and your personality. Um, if you don't have the means to have a professional astrologer go through forensics on your chart with you, if you don't have the ability to have an astrologer go through your chart with you and get that information, your best bet would be to go onto astro.com and put in time unknown. You won't get houses on your chart. So that part of this conversation, you're, you're not going to necessarily need to take away right now uh, to read your own chart. But what it will do is give you an idea of how the planets are all interacting with each other. And that is definitely very valuable information. There's plenty to dive into with that. And you can always go back with an astrologer and, and do that forensics to, to get more detail at another time. Um, but you'll, without that information, still be able to, to read quite a bit. You'll be busy for yeah. a while. <laughs> so on yeah. that note, the signs. The signs. So I have a particular method of explaining the signs to folks. Um, and on like a high level on this, what this will illustrate is your um, element involved in the sign and then the modality of it. So Can what you I define modality. Absolutely. Yeah. So in the case of astrology, your modality is there are three. You have cardinal, fixed, and mutable. And this is the part that usually a lot of people are like, I don't know. Because how do you how do you see that in action? What do those words even mean? What does mutable mean? Like it, it, you don't talk? Like what is mutable? Um and so these analogies that that I've created for this, I think represent the energy and the elements pretty effectively so that you can get a, a fairly poetic view of what each of these signs are. And, and we'll get into more detail about, you know, what the, the um, 
constellation represents and how that influences the sign. But just to start off with, with the analogies, um, I start with fire signs just because the chart starts with a fire sign. The first sign that comes up the, in the astro the astrological year is Aries. It's because it's the first one, it is, um, kind of the starting point for all of us in a way. Um, Aries has energy kind of like the initiator. So for in, for my analogy, I view Aries as a spark, right? It's not a full flame. It's something that initiates the flame. And if it doesn't have something to catch, it doesn't spark, right? It's lighting a match. And if the match doesn't light, it doesn't light. And you keep lighting matches until the right one sticks. And that's a very, very Aries energy. They just go and go and go and go. And when it catches, they burn it down and then they start sparking again and they go and they go and they go. So um, Aries is, if you can get from that analogy, it is that cardinal sign. It's the starter in a, in a fiery sort of way. Um, the other thing to say about cardinal signs is that they're the start of their season, like spring, winter, fall, all of the seasons, the start of the season is with your cardinal sign. So Aries is the start of spring. And we're recording this in Aries season, very appropriate. Um, it will be airing in Taurus season, but that's okay. We'll get into Taurus in a second. Um, so when you think of the start of the season, it's not the quintessential spring that you think of. It's the, if you're in the Northern hemisphere, it's that nippy. it's still nippy. You could get some snow still, you know, things are just barely coming out of the ground. Um, you know, it doesn't feel like that really lush vernal green that you get from the height of spring. It's not Easter vibes. No, it's not Easter vibes. Not at all. Um, well, unless you live particularly north like me. Right. <laughs> Sometimes the snow lasts until Easter. But um, yeah, it's, it's not your Easter vibes. It's your like bitter rain. Um, so next in the fire signs to illustrate a fixed fire sign, uh, we have Leo. And Leo is like a bonfire, right? It's central. It doesn't move. It doesn't start, but it does gather everyone around it. It warms everything and it gives purpose to community. People gather around a bonfire and our lovely Leos, people gather around them. And I love that. Yeah. Every, every Leo I know is like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. They, they, they really are like, they get a bad rap for being the center of attention. But if you think about a bon, a bonfire, that is the purpose of a bonfire. <laughs> Everybody gets together to enjoy the warmth of the bonfire. And it's not a selfish sort of thing. The bonfire doesn't burn for you. It just burns. It's going to burn whether or not you show up, but of course we're going to show up. It's so delightful you know? Right. Um, so yeah, 
Leo energy. And I think that that illustrates fixed very well because it's not static, you know, the flames of a bonfire dance. So it's not something that is, um, it's not boring or stagnant. No, not at all, but it is focused and still and steady and that's fixed energy. Um, so moving into mutable energy, what is mutable? Mutable is changeability. And in the fire signs, Sag is Sagittarius is your mutable fire sign. And I illustrate that through the analogy of a torch. You can carry the torch with you. You can make it as bright or as dim as you need. It's completely flexible that way. And it adds light to places that would otherwise be shrouded in darkness. It gives you um, illumination to be able to understand your surroundings. And that is is such a Sagittarius thing. Their, their constant motion, you know, they get the, the stereotype of being travelers, but really it's, um, they're also, you know, the stereotype of scholars in that they constantly need to shine light on dark places that need that they want that knowledge um yeah you need a torch for adventures mm. but you also need it in a library right yeah yeah absolutely i and always say all sagittarius they all want to move into a van and like <laughs> live out of it <laughs> i mean i would live in a van i know you would <laughs> i would um yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're they're definitely your adventurers, but they're not necessarily wistful and flippant that way. Like it's not about absconding responsibility. It's just that Indiana Jones energy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um although I mean Indiana Jones had some Capricorn vibes, but we'll get into uh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get into it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, the ability for movement is key for mutable signs. And I don't mean physical movement, like they can't ever buy a house. <laughs> it's that they need change and variety and they need to absorb as much as possible from the world and, and, and change it where they can. Um, so we can get into now that we have kind of the foundation we're comfortable with the idea of cardinal the starter fixed the um the consistent and mutable the changeable um we can get into water signs or actually no it might be might make more sense to go into earth signs because um that's how they progress through the chart so aries is the first yeah. sign taurus is the second sign in the wheel um so Taurus, I, Taurus is a fixed earth sign. Um, and I view the energy of that fixed earth as a great grand oak tree. Um, oh, perfect. Right. It's, the, yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing with Taurus is that it is immense and beautiful and sheltered. I mean, you can weather a storm under the grand branches of an oak tree um and 
it's stable and consistent and you can count on it to be there for hundreds of years. You know, it is, it is something that is a constant in the landscape and all of my wonderful Torin friends are exactly those people. They are just my, like, you know, my rocks. Um, but don't ask them to go out after they've taken off their pants. No. I mean, they're not um, moving. No, please don't. They just let them go to them, go to them and let them say, okay, yeah, yeah, come in. Um, or they may turn you away because no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, go to them, go to your torrents. Um, and always check in on your torrents. You know, because they do have a tendency to be fixed and and isolate. Um, And I think that that is a a general thing for your fixed signs is that they're not explicitly introverted, but they do have that sort of... um, It's a routine. Yeah, they're very routined. I mean, like, if you think of a, a Leo, like that as a fixed fire sign, you know, they're consistent in their ways and it helps to check in on them because the, the things that are consistent, um, we can t- kind of take for granted to always be consistent. Um, so check on them. Say yeah. Reach out to them, even though you know that they're going to reach out to you. Um, so to move on through earth signs, uh, next would be Virgo, which is a mutable earth sign. And I find Virgo energy to be like a cave. Oh yeah. Isn't that? Yeah. So Virgo is the depth of a cave in that it is earth in constant change. It's, you know, like the earth is melting and shifting underneath and there's so many chasms to explore and you can explore one and it'll be different um, years later. And it's requires exploration. Virgos are um, absolutely explorative people. They really value knowledge in a similar but different way to Sagittarius. Sagittarius has such an active approach to, and I mean active in like, um, in more of a fiery way instead of like a a solid logical way. Um, Like a Sagittarius will explore something they're passionate about and a Virgo will explore something because they know that there's more to, to garner. Um, so yeah, a cave, the, the depths and of the exploration of a cave that really, really, I feel like encompasses Virgo energy. I agree. And like, also when you look at a cave from the outside, you're like, Oh, that's just a cave. Mm. But it's one of those where when you go in, like you said, it, it's almost like mines, you know? Yeah. Like old mines. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's so many different parts and you could sit and explore one part of it for as long as you have energy and never get to the entirety of it. Um, right. There's, there's always, I find a great, there's a great mystery to all of the signs, but mutable signs in particular, I find um, because of their changeability to be a special type of mystery. Um, and like, once you think you know them, they've changed. There's something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a cave is that way in, in as far as earth is concerned. Um, so that leaves for our earth signs, that leaves Capricorn. And I view Capricorn as a fault line. And I don't mean like a volcano along a fault line. I mean like the fault line. And I say that because Capricorn is what we build foundations on. They are literally making something out of nothing. They put the land under our feet. They give us that legacy of building and they give us the material to work from. And that is that cardinal energy, that like beginnings of things that is Capricorn. They start things In a for way, us. they're almost the earth itself. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like earth energy is really, I mean, it's encompassed in all of them in different ways. But when you think of these like tectonic plates, these fault lines, all of the edges and all of that new earth, it's also recycled from something before. And you've never gotten to see that. But Capricorn absolutely fucking knows. They know the work that goes into melting down earth and making new earth from it. That is Capricorn energy. And they do it so gracefully. You only get to see it when it's ready. Yeah. Their anthem is started from the bottom. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So earth. Uh, in the chart where we move next, it goes fire, earth, then air. So we'll start with our analogies for our air signs. Um, Gemini follows Taurus and I, Gemini is, um, mutable air energy. And I find that Gemini is like a breath and I mean that in that it is the the whole scope of what breath can be. So it is how we verbalize. Um, you know, it's how our vocal cords work is through breath. Um, but so it allows us to communicate with the world outside of us, but our breath also communicates with our body. So when we breathe in, how we breathe in tells us the state of, of all sorts of different things for us. So um, if we're taking short breaths, we know that, you know, our, we're stressed out or if we're or taking, we got Dorona. Mm, well, yeah. <laughs> Wash your hands. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's also, um, something that we take with us always. 
right? It's air that is ours. It's it's an identifier. It's a self-identifier. And my breath is mine. Um, but to share breath with someone, you know, it's it's part of life. Um, but I think that the, the main aspect of breath is the transference of information. You know, that's how our body transfers information externally and internally. Yeah. Even like instruments, a lot of instruments, you have to blow into them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, hell, you don't need any instruments. You have one in your voice. So, um, yeah. And it's because of the whole variety of use for, for breath. I feel like that is the changeability that you find in mutable signs. Um, yeah. And it's so personal. Yeah. So next in our air signs, uh, we have Libra which is a cardinal air sign. So it's a starter. And I find that Libra is like an echo. And I, so my partner is a Libra (laughs) and we, we talked about this for a while. And at first he wasn't particularly sold on it. Um, (laughs) And I, I think that that, is a potential for a lot of Libras, but I hope that this illustration will, will help you resonate with this. Um, so I view Libra like an echo in that it is the environment's way of communicating back to us. So an echo is not just yelling echo into a Canyon. An echo is like a crack in the ice of a frozen lake and that resonance bouncing off of the trees and land around it. And an echo... Like echolocation. Absolutely. A bat can't find its way around without an echo. And so, yeah, it's the environment's way of communicating back to us. And that is absolutely the experience of a Libra. You know, my... Libra friends, partners, siblings um, are the kind of people who I can reflect on myself in. Sounding boards for sure. Sounding boards. Absolutely. They're such trusted reflectors. You know, they, they take in what you're saying and really synthesize it in a way that gives you the opportunity to say, oh, yes, that's, that is how I feel about it, or that is what I'm thinking, or no, actually, you're right, that isn't what this is. And the other part of an echo is that it requires the energy of the environment around it. You know, it's, it's completely dependent on its environment. If the environment isn't right for an echo, it never hears itself, right? It's nature can't hear itself if there's a, a void of that resonance. And Libras are that way. They really do thrive in environments where they can hear themselves through the environment that they're in. Um, they, it's, it's part of identifying themselves. They really do identify the world around them and by sounding it 
back for us by being our echo, they help us start um, a new understanding, right? The starting in that is without the echo, we never actually get to hear the sound. That's so, that's perfect and beautiful. Thank you. I did convince him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then we'll move into Aquarius. And Aquarius is our fixed air sign. And air signs for analogies were, I should say, before we get into Aquarius, um, particularly interesting to come up with analogies for because they are all so ephemeral. You know, you can tangibly experience fire, you can tangibly experience water, earth, you can you can feel these things. Um, but how do you feel air? How do you see air? Um, and, you know, the easy way out is hearing. But the Aquarius experience of air, I think, is is a really great interpretation of that ephemeral quality. Um, for me, Aquarius is the wind that whittles down rock. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Thank you. Um, so I'm like I, your hype man over here. <laughs> I mean. We can all use a hype man. Everybody yeah. can use a hype man. Um, so the function of that, the energy of that, if you are taking this fixed, like because air is never stationary, but the the impact of Aquarius is felt even when the Aquarius isn't present, right? The Aquarius people are known for their uniqueness and that really shows up when you can tell an Aquarius has worked on a project even if they don't get credit for it right like who is the genius madman who came up with that idea chances are it's an Aquarius and they can shape the world in such a way that is impossible to other people. How could you balance a several ton rock on a spindle? An Aquarius can do it. And that translation of that information through that wind carving out that rock is how an Aquarius impacts the world around them. Um, you don't have to hear the wind in the rocks to know that it was there. Mm -hmm. And that's how you get it fixed, right? That's where you fix that energy, that consistency. It wears away what isn't necessary and leaves behind unique and beautiful insight. Yours are so poetic. My shorthand is like, Aquarians are aliens. <laughs> That's what I say. All Aquarians are aliens. Okay, listen, like everybody's aliens, and we'll get into that in another episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's <laughs> for another episode. <laughs> but I I think that 
Aquarians are not specifically aliens. And I, I know that certain Aquarians love identifying as aliens, but I really think that it's more that Aquarians are so um, unique in their approach to things that they have an, a completely different way to synthesize information for people that is it feels so alien but it doesn't like you know it's there you know like you can go to these rocks and be like oh my god I feel like I'm on an alien planet but you're on earth and something here really did that and which is more exciting you know, being on an alien planet or experiencing something so profound and impossible on our own planet. Um, and I, I tell think, you to drop your mic, except they're expensive. Yeah, I'm not dropping the mic, but yeah. um, <laughs> we can we can pretend. <laughs> <laughs> so. Last but not least is water signs. So if you're following the chart so far, we start the year with Aries and then we go into Taurus and then we have Gemini and then our water sign that's next is Cancer. And Cancer is starting back at the top. It is a cardinal water. And I find Cancer to be like a spring rain. Oh. And and that's I mean like fairly, you know, seasonally related. It's more like the first rain after a dry season. Um but but for those of us who get um four seasons to the year, it, it's like the the spring rain. It's the first warm rain that causes the spring buds to pull up out of the ground. It is everything that warms and sweetens and washes away, um, you know, the, the cold of winter and the, um, the stagnance of, of frozen ground. Um, energy. It's mom energy. Absolutely. It's sweet and cleansing and everybody loves the smell of it. And it's, yeah, it's it's definitely mom energy. It grows new things for us. Um, and I think that without that sort of like initial first rain, not only would the plants not be able to start their next phase, but that we wouldn't get the next phases of water without the start of these rains they they feed into you know rivers tributaries all of that that feed out into the ocean and that rain starts everything um water signs are similar to air signs in that they have an ephemeral quality it's hard to to really physically grasp them (laughs) so it's also hard to um metaphorically grasp them but um 
so they they tend to get a bad rap for being the unknowable kind of mysterious and i think that having something like this where you can really see that energy in action makes it a little bit easier for people who don't identify with the more ephemeral air and, and water energy um because i'm a lot of water signs they basically all get the bad rap of being overly sensitive and frankly fire signs are sensitive so you know like we everybody's sensitive they they all have their mm-hmm. sensitivities you know if you um accidentally break break a stalactite in a cave that's sensitive to that ecosystem so everybody has their sensitivities leave water signs alone um but <laughs> Uh, that there is also something to the sensitivity of the, the water signs in that it's so easy to move and change them. Um, you know, like we all take in water and we're made up of water and we're the movement and expression of water in a lot of ways. Um, but the water is also the only way that we got to be life. So, you know, that sensitivity is just inherent in existing. Um, also, tears are water. Tears are absolutely water. And so, you know, being sensitive and, and being comfortable in water energy is just part of existing you know you have to water spring plants or they won't grow if you're just if you're removing that sensitivity then you're not going to to nourish anything around you um and you really i mean you honestly need all four elements to have things work and that's you know part of why astrology is so beautiful is that we we really do in our own charts synthesize so much of this already and it's part of being alive um so talking forever about cancer we can talk about to tell you move on miss sag yeah i know (laughs) i'll wax poetic forever um that's okay we get to talk about my scorpio side now so So Scorpio is a fixed water sign. And the analogy that I use for Scorpio is the Marianas Trench. It is the deepest, darkest part of the ocean that it is impossible for most life on earth to reach. (laughs) And it is vastly mysterious, but life does exist there and we're constantly pulled to the curiosity of it. It is in that immense pressure able to create things that have never seen the light of day and life still keeps going. Um, And it takes the right kind of preparation to be able to access that and being able to 
work with that fixed water energy, um, the stability that's in the Marianas Trench, even though, you know, water flows constantly and it's hard to pin it down in a certain way, that amount of pressure and consistency um, really builds a beautiful borderline alien environment. Um, yeah. I don't know if you have any, any feedback on that one. <laughs> I say, um, all Scorpio women are witches. That's true. Whether they realize it or not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there's a lot of magic to be had in that darkness and that comfort sure. in darkness. Um, I mean, like, it really is a wholly different world in the Mariana yeah. Trench. It's a wholly different world. And that's both so terrifying and so um, intriguing. Yeah. You know, there's the that kind of level of mystery and magic. It it's so foreign that you can't not be curious. Um and I think that that's part of the magnetism of Scorpios is that that balance between the fear of unknowing and the desire to to know um is why so many people you know chase after that that scorpio energy is what's going on underneath the surface there because even you know having a a bird's eye view of it knowing that it exists isn't enough yeah Um, they all have the kind of stare that goes right through you yes oh my god they just saw into my soul oh sure it's you can tell a scorpio by the eyes you absolutely sure. can. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what color. It doesn't matter what shape. Mm-hmm. It's just how they look. And there's a steadiness to the gaze. There's there's an unwavering. And that comes with that kind of emotional stability. And I, I, know, I know a lot of people will be like, Scorpios aren't emotionally stable. Oh, yeah, they are. Yes, they are. They're just very deep. The thing about Scorpios, and I'm telling you this as a Scorpio, um, is that the emotions that you see from a Scorpio may seem like out of nowhere, but everything they've said, they've already felt. It is not explosive. It is curated. The emotions that you are seeing are absolutely curated. They have picked that as the correct thing for you to see. And if that's happening, you need to ask yourself why. (laughs) Mm you know like that they've chosen that you've you've gotten to see that for a reason and so there is something to reflect in there because they feel everything um if you are only seeing the angry side of a scorpio that's you Mm -hmm. that means they they don't trust you with the other sides that the scorpios can be absolutely the most sweet and sensitive people and the idea of a scorpion as as that illustration you know with the outer the hard outer shell and the soft inside and all of that it's it's pretty accurate um but yeah that that image of the marianas trench 
um, if you're not prepared for that, you don't know what's going to happen to you. Um, so anyway, yeah, for sure. Waxing okay, now get on to another. Mine. Okay, yes, I know you've waited so patiently. You're all so patiently. Pisces, Pisces is always last. It is last on the wheel of the year, and I, I after we finish the analogies, I'll list them all in order so you guys can have that if you're taking notes. Um, but a Pisces to me is like the vastness of an open ocean. Yup, we are. <laughs> For those of you who cannot see, Jesse is, is hands in the air cheering, like, yes, <laughs> preach. So the reason that I say Pisces is the vastness of an open ocean. So I, I forgot to mention Pisces is a mutable water sign. It is changeability. And the first image I imagine most people would come up with for the vastness of an open ocean is smooth seas in the middle of the day. But that isn't the only part of Pisces, right? You can have that that stillness and reflection there's so much reflection in a pisces you know both of themselves and other people in them that is a huge function of pisces energy is that reflective quality but you also have turbulent seas that could swallow a ship in the middle of the ocean like the vastness brings wonder and exploration to people. Like there is a reason that people are called to the sea to, to sail across it. But it is, if you are again, not ready for it, it will swallow you whole. Um, it is bigger than all of us. And Pisces energy is that if you have a lot of Pisces energy in your chart, it's going to feel like the experience of being human will just swallow you and you will no longer be yourself. Um, and yeah, it's that changeability I think is, is, is really interesting in the form of water, you know, because yeah. it's almost like an unpredictability of it. Like Calypso is, is Pisces energy for sure. Yeah. Um, and we'll get into the mythology stuff probably in another episode. I, I doubt we'll have time to get into to you know mythology related to sign energy. Um, but yeah, that that open sea is just it it calls to everybody, but it's also you know almost too vast and too all encompassing. We're very seductive, super seductive, like without even meaning to. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's like just people are very drawn to us, Absolutely. like you were saying with the ocean. Absolutely. Um, because they can see themselves in it and they can also see not like existence that is not themselves. Um, an interesting thing about the vastness of the ocean, and this is true of, of Pisces energy as, as far as astrology is concerned, is that it's a synthesis of all of the elements culminating in this vast watery energy. And I mean that in that you have the fire of the sun above you. You have the earth and the salt in the water because you know the ocean has eroded away the land that way. It is also supported by land. You can't have an ocean without the cradle of earth. And it is the air meeting it 
you know, where the sky meets the water is that beautiful horizon that calls us all in. And so Pisces is that. Pisces is the synthesis of all of these elements, all of these signs, all of that energy you can find in the vastness of ocean. You know, your cancer energy, or not cancer, I'm sorry, the um, Capricorn energy of a fault line, you can find those underneath the ocean. You know, you can find um, the various um, air signs above it. You know, you can hear an echo over the water. You can hear, you know, all sorts of things. And so, yeah, Pisces really does encompass all of them and ends in that watery vastness. Um, I read a theory. This was a few years ago where they said that Pisces was the last incarnation of a soul before it passes on and it's lived through every other sign. Mm. And that's why it can relate to everybody. I think that it depends on, on where Pisces is in the chart. I've, I've also heard that theory and I have like through personal anecdotal experience um, found that in, in certain people's charts, not all Pisces, um, but enough of them that there's some credence to that. Um, it is, it really is the culmination of, of all of this energy. Um, so, yeah. 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 That's why I make friends on airplanes all the time. <laughs> I can't help it. And then oh, I stay friends with them on Facebook for like a decade. Oh my gosh. What do you guys <laughs> talk about? Well, I got that Gemini Ascendant, so like literally whatever pops into my head. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So before we dive into the planets and what each of them mean, I want to list for those folks who are taking notes, um, the signs in order of the wheel of the year so that you can take each of these signs, each of these analogies, line them up to that seasonal energy and see how that translates for you in your experience of the seasons. Um, so on the wheel of the astrological year, Aries starts. Um, then we move into Taurus, followed by Gemini, followed by Cancer. So that's the first quarter of the wheel. From Cancer, we move into Leo, then Virgo, Libra, and Scorpio. After Scorpio, we're followed by Sagittarius, then Capricorn, then Aquarius, then Pisces to end out our year. All right. So now that we've covered signs, it's time to move on to planets. Definitely. Um, and planets, I think, give a bit more context for conversations about, you know, personality and how we relate to our signs. So everybody knows their sun sign. That's like the basic one, you know, very typical, what's your sign? Um, sort of intro to people, but a lot of people who are like, yeah, I'm this sign, but really I kind of feel like this. Talking about the planets is going to give you a lot more nuance to why you are more complicated than just your sun sign. Um, so to start with, uh, the planets are each broken down into 
sort of separate categories based on the influence they have on your chart and where they physically are in the solar system. So we have uh, luminaries, which are the sun and the moon. We have personal planets, which are Mercury, Venus, and Mars. We have social planets, which are Jupiter and Saturn. And then we have transpersonal planets, which are Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Um, go ahead. And the, and the planets also, they correspond to the signs too, which is, I feel like we might as well throw that out there. Oh yeah, no, as soon yeah. as we go through each of the planets, I will um, let you know, you know, which sign that they go along with, um, about how long they take to go through each sign, all of that delicious stuff. So get ready yeah. with your pen and paper, because um, this is very note heavy. <laughs> as if you weren't already taking notes, but yeah, this is where it's going to get real good. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. This is definitely where, you know, we start to piece together things like, so we'll say it over and over again. We don't talk about cusps as far as the sign, as far as your sign goes, like your cusp is not related to what sign you are. Um, and that's really to do like the complication that you might feel about your sign will come in more in the planets. Um, so if you don't necessarily identify with your sun sign, you look at your planets before you look at where your sun is. Um, right. Like your, your, um, your sun sign's kind of like an umbrella, an umbrella that you fit under. Oh know? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which well, is why like, yeah, you can, ha you can meet somebody who's got the same sign as you and they're just like nothing like you. And that's because all of us have our, our planets are all in different spots and that's why right. you get so much variety under the sun signs. Right. And I mean, even down to like somebody born the same exact day as you is going to have a completely different chart. Um, twins are an interesting sort of play with that. Uh, so if you are a twin, I'd be curious, you know, how your you and your twins chart compare, because sometimes they're very, very similar. And sometimes they're very different. Um, but Hit us then, up. We want to look at it. Yeah, yeah. please. <laughs> yeah. Let me peek. Let me peek. Um, so yeah, so let's start with the sun, since that is kind of where all of this starts anyway. Um, so the sun is our first luminary. Um, and in astrology, it is considered a planet. So we're not talking about planets in the astronomical sense. We're talking about planets in the astrological sense, um, which are really just the short word for heavenly bodies. Um, so, so Pluto counts for us. Yes, Pluto counts for all of you people who miss Pluto and are, you know, sad that it got downgraded. Pluto is a planet for us. <laughs> um, and it's a really important planet. It, it kicks a lot up in your chart. But Anyway, we'll get there. Be patient. So luminaries, the sun. Um, the sun is, like Jesse said, the umbrella that all of this falls under. And the reason for that is because it literally shines light on everyone else that's at play in your chart. Everything is in relation to the sun. Um, and quite fittingly, the sun is the ruler of Leo. The sun is that bonfire that we all as planets gather around. Um, so yeah, very fitting for that kind of energy. Um, it, as far as your chart, your personality goes, it is the lens that you see all of the other planet placements through. So you're going to have 
a tinge of whatever your sun sign is influencing all of the other planets. Um, but it's not necessarily, you know, how you feel about yourself or how other people see you. Um, it just is the general guiding light for that. Um, it's kind of a filter. It's like the the yeah. lens that you see you see other things through. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, like you can't see without the sun, so right. you have to so see quite literally. Yeah, all of the other planets are in relation to the sun, um, and that's actually important to their sort of movement through the signs and through your chart because they orbit the sun. Um, so yeah, the sun, it, it's going to have a huge impact on the rest of um, your chart, no matter what, but it's not the only one. So the moon is our second luminary. Um, it is another celestial body that shines light onto us, um, but it is reflecting the light of the sun. And I think that that's a really great sort of energetic parallel for what it does in our charts. It's a very reflective influence. And the moon rules over our emotions. The sign that it rules is cancer. So it has everything to do with our inner world, how we um, relate to our emotions, and not necessarily how we communicate them, just how we experience them. So yeah. Um, for the moon, it takes about 28 days to go through the whole chart. So it spends about two and a half days in each sign. And it's kind of interesting when you start playing with this. If you keep a journal, start journaling when you have your lunar return. So when the moon is transiting through the sign that you were born with, um, and just kind of take note of your emotions for that day and see where it goes. Take a look at when it's in the opposite sign. Um, I think that that's a really interesting sort of journaling perspective on our emotions. So yeah, moon. I also say like the moon is kind of, um, it governs, it's not just your like emotions, but it's like the way you feel about things internally before you kind of like talk yourself off a ledge or like right. express them to other people. It's like the instinct yes. that you have. Right, right. Which is actually a good segue into Mercury. So Mercury would be the planet that depending on what sign it is, is how you would end up expressing it. So Mercury rules um, kind of all of our thought processes and our communication styles. As far as the signs that Mercury rules, it rules Gemini and it's the traditional ruler of Virgo, which traditional we'll get into when we get into the outer planets. Um, but uh, yeah, so Gemini and Virgo, um, pretty heavy energy with Mercury. It takes about just slightly less than 88 days to go around the sun. So it will spend typically about 15 days in a sign, but because of retrograde, it can actually spend up to 60 days in a sign. Mm. So. Yeah, very interesting with that. If you're born during a retrograde, it's it's a particularly long stint that Mercury is spending in that sign. Um, My cousin was born in retrograde, Mercury retrograde. Oh, yeah. A lot of people yeah. are. I mean, it happens three times a year, and that's because it moves around 
the sun so quickly. Um, so yeah, an 88 day year, it's just flying around the sun, which makes sense with that mercurial energy. You know, it's, it's so, um, fast paced and, uh, quickly, um, communicating and, and transiting. So, um, another interesting thing about mercury is that it is only going to be two signs away on either side of where the sun currently is. So yeah, as far as like people who really relate to the sign that is next in the chart, like say if you're a Taurus, but you really relate to Gemini, it could be actually your Mercury in Gemini or um, Venus also does that. Venus is only two signs away from the sun at any given time. So both of those personal planets are going to have a strong impact on your chart. So they'll have a strong impact on the way you relate to yourself and the way you feel like you interact with the world. Um, so yeah, personal planets are, are definitely an interesting impact on your chart. I didn't realize that about Mercury and Venus. It's fascinating. Oh, yeah. 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 And I think that that's, I mean, a lot of the reason why people are like, no, I may be such and such sign, but really I'm, you know, I'm a cusp of whatever, you know, it's actually probably more likely they're Mercury and their Venus. But that's so cool because like, you know, I mean, we don't think horoscopes are real. Horoscopes are bullshit. No, yeah. but, horoscopes are such bullshit. <laughs> but like, once you kind of find what the sign is that like, you really identify with, whether that's your sun, your moon, your Mercury, whatever, yeah. or maybe even your ascendant, which we'll get into when we get to the houses. Um, when you start reading for that, things make more sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. A lot more sense. Yeah. Definitely pick up which ones when you are able to look at all of these planets, you'll be able to tell which ones have the most um, weight in your chart. Um, I call them stacking. So if the planets are stacking in certain signs or in certain houses, you'll, you'll definitely feel that energy stronger than other ones. Um, so yeah, if you're particularly stacked in, you know, the next sign over, then that will make a lot of sense for you. Um, so Venus, our next personal planet, we gave a little preview of that. Um, Venus rules Taurus and Libra. Um, it's just the ruler of both of them. It's not like a traditional versus, um, modern ruler. Um, and Venus takes a little bit less than 225 days to orbit the sun, which will put it in a given sign for about 30 days. Um, so Venus, as far as energetics go, Venus is going to influence where, like how you relate to love and interacting with people. Um, it's going to have a stronger impact on more romantic love than sexual love. Um, so definitely how you relate to like, say your family and your friends, you know, that, um, heart centered, not genital centered. Correct. Correct. It, <laughs> will also tend to have um, an impact on, what's the word to use? Um, 
how judicious you are with your words. <laughs> um, so politeness is, is going to be influenced by your Venus placement. Um, people with placements that are, you know, like quick moving signs or, you know, like fiery reactive signs um, are probably going to be perceived as less polite. Um, but also politeness is a social construct and fuck that shit. Yeah, we'll get into that another time, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, another an interesting thing about Venus. So, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Danny Beinstein. She's an astrologer. Oh yeah, York. love love some yeah. Danny Beinstein for sure. Yeah, she um says that Venus is the place to look for guidance when it comes to your manifestation style, mm. which I think is really cool because it definitely proves true for me. I have Venus and Capricorn and I have found that the times in my life where I've been like super strategic and hardworking and like set ambitious goals, that's when my manifestations come through. It's really, really cool. Because- oh, that's wild. Is that why mine don't make any sense? Because my Venus is in Scorpio and everything's a fucking mystery? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. You have to fuck your way to abundance. That's Okay. It. All right. <laughs> I I don't even know how to touch that. <laughs> oh man. I mean, well, we'll have to do a separate episode on sex magic. I can talk about Definitely. that a little bit. Yeah. Oh, Which is, yeah. I mean, you know, that's that's something that I'm really comfortable with. So maybe. Maybe. I know I know nothing about it, so I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a fun episode. Um, yeah. Speaking of sex, let's talk about Mars. <laughs> Perfect segue. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> so Mars is the last personal planet. Um, it rules Aries and is the traditional ruler of Scorpio. Um, so yeah, sex. You know, those are two signs that are definitely pretty notorious yeah. for that. Um, also fighting. This is the fighting. Yes. Yeah. So it's sex and aggression. Um, Mars, the God of war. Um, but it's the, I would say, so Venus is like that yin sort of aspect of sex. And then Mars is more of that young sort Ah, of aspect of sex. Um, so more of the going, and less of the getting. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It's like the, you know, when they say like masculine versus feminine as the label, just I say it's more like dominant versus receptive. It's like active versus receiving. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like for me, I don't bother bringing gender into this. It really, yeah, you don't really need it. That's, you know, what a lot of, oh, that's the old school labeling of that energy right and with uh, and any of these planets that have um two signs that they rule in traditional sense they they break them up into masculine and feminine i don't fuck with that it's it's not for me i it's just yeah it's but at any rate um you can think of and that actually makes sense for that manifestation perspective on venus if that is how you relate to receiving abundance, then, you know, that's going to make perfect sense. That's very yin energy. Um, and manifesting can have quite a bit of, of yin receptive surrendering required. Um, 
So Mars, we already talked about Venus. Mars. Um, Mars orbits the sun. It takes about 687 days. Um, so it will spend, depending on retrograde, it'll spend anywhere from two months to seven months in a sign. Um, mm. Yeah. So typically, like, you'll find that a lot of people born in the same season as you will probably have similar sort of characteristics relating to their Mars energy. Um, yeah. I could see that. That makes sense. So yeah. basically, it's how you fight or fuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, depending on which sign it is, it may be considerably more reserved or it may be, you know, much more of a go-getter or anything like that. I find that your Mars energy also will influence the type of activist you are, like how you engage with um, sort of activist movements. So somebody with um, actually we can use mine. I have an Aquarius Mars. So for me, it's all about humanity, how many people I can touch, um, and how many people I can impact with my activism. Very um, big picture. Very big picture. And, you know, feel that impact on humanity as an impact on myself. Um, and with that Aquarius energy influencing that fighting sort of, um, aspect of it. It's, it's definitely something that I constantly feel like I have to tap into. It's information that I'm constantly engaging with, uh, because Aquarius is another air sign. It's, it's very information based. It's spreading information. It's absorbing information. Like I'm the go-to person. If you need new news, you know, the number of times that I've had people ask me, you know, what news sites do you go to? Where do you get your information? <laughs> like that's very Aquarian energy. Um, yeah. And that's, that's definitely some Mars stuff right there. We could also talk a little bit about how Aquarius affects the sexual side of Mars, but we might want to save that for the <laughs> sex magic episode. Yeah, we're, that's going to be, that's a deep dive. We're going to need to like do so much on that. Oh yeah, I could spend an entire episode talking about any of the personal planets on their own. It's fun stuff. Oh yeah. Um, which I guess that means we should probably move on to our social planets, uh, which are also fun. So because they have a longer orbit, that means more people born around the same time as you are going to have the same um, social planet sign placement. Um, so Jupiter. Uh, Jupiter takes about 12 years to go around the sun. Um, it's a little bit less than that, but pretty close to 12 years. Uh, so it'll spend about a year in each sign. Um, okay. yeah. And it does have retrogrades. Um, it doesn't impact how long it's in the sign quite as much just because the earth moves faster. So it doesn't look like it retrogrades quite as long. Hmm. Um, but at any rate, uh, Jupiter, it rules Sagittarius and it's the traditional ruler of Pisces. Um, so if you think about the energetics on that, it's especially with Sagittarius, Jupiter is so, so tightly tied to, to Sagittarius. Um, it is how, it's the place in our chart that we look for expansion. So the sign that it's going to be in, it's going to be like where you find that you reach out and and um, sort of test the boundaries on things, not quite in a rebellion sense as much as, you know, that very go-getter 
sort of energy. Um, definitely related to work, but not quite work ethic as much as, um, you know, big picture, you know, pie in the sky goals, kind of idealistic. Um, and by kind of, I mean, very Jupiter is idealistic energy for sure. It is so optimistic. I mean, it's the, the king of the skies. Um, and I mean, size wise, you know, is only second to the sun. So, um, yeah, big, big energy. And so when you look at where Jupiter is in your chart, what sign it's in, will tell you a little bit about how you channel that energy, but what house it's in will tell you more about where you want to expand. And when we get into houses and you take a look at where Jupiter is in your chart and what house it's in, that'll resonate. So for me, um, Jupiter, I have Jupiter in Pisces. And so expanding into that spiritual aspect for me is obviously <laughs> pretty clearly big for me. Um, so yeah, very expansive energy and typically where we, where we drive that for career. Yeah. Um, so Saturn is kind of its close brother, if you will. It also has to do energetically with work, but more about how we structure things. Um, so Saturn is rules Capricorn and it's the traditional ruler of Aquarius, which I think is a funny sort of dichotomy between the two. So Capricorn is so structured, um, and, if you want to use like charged words about it, it can be kind of rigid as a sign. Um, I'm not saying all Capricorns are rigid, but you know, they, they definitely appreciate structure. Um, whereas Aquarius is all about breaking down structures and coming up with new ones. So I think that that's a really interesting play on the energy of Saturn. It's, it's structure, but it's also, redefining and coming up with new ones um and rebuilding because we're constantly right. building um so the orbit saturn has around the sun is 29 and a half years which is where that saturn return that everybody mm -hmm. hears so much about that's where it comes from so in the span of 29 years uh, it will come back to the ex exact spot in the sky that it was in when you were born. And so that particular transit is going to cause you to rethink the structures in your life. That's why a lot of people feel like after they turn 30, they feel so much more adult. It's because they actually have that opportunity with that return to reflect on the structures that they've built and play with new ones that they want to be the kind of adult that they want to be. Um, it also explains why in your late 20s, you're like, I feel like a hot mess. Why I should be farther along. Yeah. Where, like, am I where, like, am I where I want to be? Am I headed in the right direction? It's like, you almost feel like you're having a midlife crisis, but you're 29. You're like 20. It start. It can start up to like 27, right? Like it can, you can start feeling it around there, 27, it, 28. It can, depending on what your chart is and like what it's interacting with. So if you, like when it'll enter the sign that you were um, born with that placement in, you may start to feel echoes of it. There are a lot of people who like 
So I'm 33 and looking back, I didn't have these sort of groundbreaking, earth shattering, like what the fuck am I doing with my life sort of experiences during my Saturn return. But when I look back now, I see, oh my God, everything that I had built up up until about that time in my life, I don't have anymore. I don't do things that way anymore. And so it's not necessarily a painful transition for people, but it is a transition. When you look back at that age, you'll say, oh, I completely changed the way that I interact with romantic relationships. I set huge boundaries at that age and I hadn't done that before. Or, you know, I finally put up boundaries with work and I don't accept anything less than what I'm worth with that. You know, that's that's the period of time for a lot of people that that happens and they don't necessarily see it in the moment. Although sometimes we really do and it hurts. <laughs> oh my God, mine was like that. It was so bad. Yeah, I, I started feeling it before it happened and I had like aftershocks yeah. for a while. It's just like so much change. But I'm also like, basically living i've been living my whole life on a pluto line which we'll get into in another episode so oh, that yeah. could have something to do with it um yeah i mean that, and, that definitely yeah. could and i i wonder too i i haven't looked at your chart um at least not recently so i wonder what saturn might be interacting with like what um what aspects it has in your chart because any transit will ping those things for you mm. um but I do the- have a lot of Capricorn placements in my chart, which mm. gets that like nice Saturn energy. Right, right, for sure. Um, yeah, and so I don't know if I had, I had said this before, but it spends about two and a half years in a sign. Um, mm. So people who are born you know, a couple of years around you are going to have that same kind of relationship with structure, but they may manifest it differently in the li- in their life, um, depending on what house it's in. And that's why when we get into houses, houses are really, really important for the places that you see this in your life. The energetics are there, but it's going to show up differently. Some people may have it, you know, in the fourth house versus the eighth house versus, you know, whatever. Um, So any of these further out planets with longer orbits around the sun, um, you're really going to want to look at the house energy for that first um, before the sign, Um, which actually is a good segue into the transpersonal planets um, because those ones, they spend a lot of time in signs. So for them, it's really house first before sign. Um, they're generational planets. They'll sit in a sign for, for decades for some of them. Um, so Uranus uh, is, and all of the transpersonal planets, um, these are modern rulers because they were only recently discovered. Uranus is the modern ruler for Aquarius. Um, it takes 84 years to orbit the sun. So it's Ooh. a really, really long time that it goes through the chart. People will be lucky to experience their Uranus return. You know, it's it's 84 years, but that means that it spends about seven years in each sign. Um, So not quite generational, but close. So people around your age are all going to have Uranus in the same sign as you um, in that seven year 
sort of buffer zone. Um, and depending on what house it's in, Uranus is going to be the kind of energy where you see your rebellion. Um, so depending on where it is, it can show up as, you know, the place where people say you have such a unique perspective on that, you know? Um, so for me, my Uranus is in my 12th house. Mm. Um, so for, for that manifestation, we'll get into 12th house a little bit deeper, but 12th house has quite a bit to do with spirituality. And so my perspectives on spirituality, people like to come to me because I have a different view on it from them. Um, and that, that has quite a bit to do with that Uranus energy. Um, so next in line, we have Neptune. Um, Neptune is the modern ruler for Pisces. It has a lot to do with our dreams and illusions that we create for ourselves. Um, definitely tied to spirituality, very, very watery. Um, Neptune will, it has a very long um, cycle. So it takes about 165 years. It's a little bit less um, to go around the sun. Damn. Yeah, it's a very, very long time. Um, people do not have a Neptune return. It's just, yeah. Yet. But, well, Yet. <laughs> with, with the development of modern medicine. <laughs> I choose and maybe this is my Aquarius Mars but I choose to remain skeptical of modern medicine I am not so sure about that <laughs> I was just thinking about that part in um Talladega Nights where Ricky Bobby's like I figure with modern medicine I could live live to be about 200 300 years old <laughs> <laughs> well I hope so, people get their Neptune return or not I'm not sure I don't know Ricky Bobby will get his Neptune return okay Ricky Bobby can have his um <laughs> But that means that it spends about 14 years in a sign. So it's, okay. yeah, it's in a sign for a very, very long time. That one is closer to generational. Um, so for Neptune, it's to tap into that Neptunian energy of, you know, spirituality and dreams and all of that. You'll want to look at what house that's in. Um, most people your age are going to have Neptune in the same sign as you, um, but they won't necessarily have it in the same house. Um, so, uh, Pluto is our last one, our last planet, planet Pluto. Just luxuriate in it, guys. <laughs> planet. <laughs> Small but mighty. Small but mighty for sure. So, um, Pluto is, is a heavy hitter as far as celestial bodies go. It is energetically um, where you see transformation. It's related to death, but really more death of ego, I find. Um, mm. And depending on where it's placed, you might be super resistant to that, or you may really lean into it and love that. Um, it is the modern ruler of Scorpio, shock of the century, um, <laughs> who's related to death. But uh, transformation is a big thing for Pluto. It is depending on what house it's in, where you will see that you tend to evolve the quickest or the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <sighs> Frequently, whether by choice or not, you know, it may be mm. something where you're forced to 
transform over and over and over again and to really remake what that aspect of your life looks like. Um, It is definitely a generational planet. It takes 248 years to go through all of the signs. It is a very, very, very long orbit around the sun. So Um, maybe not even Ricky Bobby is going to get his... Gosh, no, 248 (laughs) years. I don't know about that one. Um, And because of that long orbit, it'll spend anywhere between 10 to 20 years in a sign because Pluto will have very long retrogrades. Um, But, uh, and it also has sort of frequent retrogrades since we're flying around the sun. Um, It'll look like it's retrograding every year, basically. but yeah, it'll spend 10 to 20 years in a given sign. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot. It is a lot. Um, so yeah, Pluto, definitely an important one to look at what house it's in and then what other planets it's aspecting. And that's the rep. So now we need to now give us the rundown. We want the rundown of uh, the planets and what signs they correspond to. Let's, you got it. Yeah, Absolutely. Let's do, let's do it. Rapid fire. Get ready, guys. So planets, starting with luminaries. Sun rules Leo. Moon rules Cancer. Mercury rules Gemini and Virgo. Venus rules Taurus and Libra. Mars rules Aries and is the traditional ruler of Scorpio. Jupiter rules Sagittarius and is the traditional ruler of Pisces. Um, Saturn rules Capricorn and is the traditional ruler of Aquarius. Uranus rules Aquarius, Neptune rules Pisces, Pluto rules Scorpio. Bada bing, bada boom. That's it. Yes. And when we get into the houses, if you have a planet in um, either a sign that it rules or a house that's related to that sign, that's like doubling the energy. Uh, Okay. Yeah. My life is making a lot more sense now. Mm -hmm. So let's move on to houses. Yes, let's. All right. So houses, houses are really fun. Um, If you do know your birth time, then you will be able to um, follow along with this. If you do not know your birth time, houses will be um, something that won't come up on your chart. And you can work with an astrologer to figure out like, do some forensic astrology to, to potentially find where your houses are. But for the purposes of um, this, uh, houses won't weigh heavy. Um, you may even, if you hear certain parts of it, um, may relate to things and, and that can probably help you um, sort of figure out your own chart that way. But um the houses start with your rising sign. So most people are familiar with the term cusp in in astrology. The thing about cusp though is that they know the word but they don't necessarily know the meaning fully. So if you say I was born on a cusp, astrology is all math and it's related to degrees. So your sun is not on 
a, a cusp. Your sun is at a particular degree, so you can't be both signs. Right. Um, yeah. It, it really annoys me. It annoys me when people <laughs> say that. I'm like, cusps aren't real. And then they're like, astrology isn't real. And then I'm like, fuck you. So, <laughs> so cusps are real, but they're, yeah. they're, they're not that. So if you're looking at your chart on astro.com and you see the pie slices, they are the lines that designate each slice. Yeah. And it's, and it's down to the time every yes. year, like the day and the time, like it is math. So yeah, like, no, that's why you need to know yeah. to the minute what time you were born. If you are off by five minutes, it can change your entire chart. Yeah. So if um, you think you're like a cusp, so I had like, I had a friend who, um, she was like, Oh, I'm a Leo. I was like, there's no way in hell you're a Leo. You are the most Virgo Virgo who ever Virgoed. And <laughs> <laughs> she, um, I made her go get her birth chart. And cause she was like, no, I'm just like a really cuspy Leo. And I was like, no, you're not. And I was like, go do your birth chart. I guarantee you you're in, you're in Virgo. She was a Virgo. She of was course. like born a few minutes after the sun moved into Virgo. Yeah. And it, it does matter. So yeah, it's not, you could say that a particular day belongs to a sign, but really it, it moves. And like the, the moon changes signs partway through the day all the time. Um, so cusp is a real thing. It is not something that weighs in on your chart except for your rising sign. So the line that designates the first house, the beginning of the first house is the only cusp that actually impacts you. And that is your rising sign. So you will see that line um, drawing straight across um, to the left side of your chart. And where that line lands, that sign is your rising sign or your ascendant, depending on, you know, what you're looking at and where you're reading it. Um, and we didn't talk about it with the planets, but it does impact your personality quite a bit. So your rising sign, like Jesse had illustrated with that proverb is how the world, it's the mask that the world sees. So it is usually for people, the sign, like people who are comfortable with astrology, that's a sign that you'll get guessed as instead of your sun sign. Like people will say, oh, you're definitely a such and such. Um, and people who are really good with it will say, I bet your rising sign is such and such, you know, cause that's your first impression. Mm -hmm. um, and it's your first impression because it's literally what's coming over the horizon. It is the first thing you see when you are gracing this planet. Right. For the first yeah. time. Um, so you carry that with you. So cusp matters there. Um, otherwise it is just a line that denotes where the next house starts. Um, so going through the houses, um, your first house is related to Aries because Aries is the first sign in the wheel of, um, astrology and it has everything to do with the self. It has to do with how we relate to our identity. So planets that land in the first house weigh very heavily on our identity. Um, and if, you, if you're looking at astro.com and you're looking at the wheel of your chart, um, everything at the bottom half of the chart is very like internal, personal um, sort of places in our life. Um, and 
that, yeah, Aries is, is all about that identity, the self. Um, to illustrate that, I had talked about Neptune a bit, about it being related to dreams and illusions, and Neptune is in my first house. Um, so even though I don't have um, too much in the way of Pisces placement, because Neptune, the ruler of Pisces, is in my first house, I relate to Piscean energy pretty strongly. Um, so dreams are, are definitely an important part of my practice. It also having Neptune in your first house will, um, make it difficult for a native of that to understand their own identity as separate from the identity of people around them. So if you are looking at your first house and you're seeing planets in there, you can cheat and Google, um, you know, such and such planet in first house. But I would suggest that with all of the information that you've gotten from this episode, just sit and meditate on it and think about how that might relate to you. So if you have your Mars in your first house, really sit on that. Think about that energy of Mars and what that feels like for you. Um, and if that really strongly relates to your identity, um, Mars also being the ruler of Aries, something tells me you'll relate to that really hard, mm -hmm. <laughs> regardless of what sign Mars might be in, you may find that you know, whatever, um, that Mars energy is, is really strong for you. Um, so following that, following your first house, your second house is related to Taurus. Um, but particularly the realm of your life that has to do with material possessions, um, security, that sort of thing. Um, so your houses are, I should probably have said this at the beginning. Um, so if your signs are the who of you and the planets are the what, the houses are where. Mm. So they're the aspects of your life. Um, so they're not going to be, you know, personality necessarily. Um, they're going to be more, you know, where in you, in your life, you see the signs impacting and the planets impacting. Um, so yes, Taurus related to material possessions, security, um, stability, um, and in sort of like the analogy of, um, you know, a person at your first house is like your baby self and your second house is like your toddler self, me, 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 mine, 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 you know, and when you're starting to learn how to share and, and that sort of thing, and you're learning, you know, these to toys are mine and, you know, I want this thing. And, um, it's how you start reaching out towards things. Um, second house, yeah, 
that sort of what's outside of me. Um, your third house is related to Gemini. And on that same vein of um, that analogy, if you're existing for the first house and you're relating to the objects around you in the second house, the third house is how you're communicating with people. It's your first words. Um, it's also related to your local community. So your literal neighborhood around you and how mm. you engage with your neighborhood. Um, folks with certain placements in their third house will either feel very connected with their community or very distant from it. Um, there's a lot of different ways that that can play out. Um, but has everything to do with how we access communication. Um, in a different way than how the planet does. So if you have Mercury in a particular placement, that's like how you're communicating. Whereas that what is placed in your third house um, is more related to um, what you're communicating and where you're communicating it. Um, let me see if I can off the cuff come up with a good example for this. So, I got a good one. I got a oh, good please one. Please share. Yeah. So I have cancer in my third house. So I, and I've, I'm one of those people where it's like, I'm like super. Just for nurturing. clarity, um, oh. you're the, the cusp of your third house starts in cancer. Oh, uh, great question. Let me see. I'm looking at my chart. Yes. Yes. Okay. It's, so that, yeah. Yeah. That line starts in cancer. Great. Cool. Yeah. Um, yes. So I, so basically like I'm, and it's funny cause it's like, I'm, I, I'm one of those people where I'm like, oh, you have shitty parents. I'm your mom now. <laughs> that's how, that's how I am. So I think that's a perfect example. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that's I'm just great... like, I'm always, I'm the mom friend. Like I, people are always coming to me like that in every situation. I'm just like the mom friend. Like people right. just always come to me for nurturing and Yeah. And, and that's your local community. That's, mm -hmm. that's the people around you. That's how you relate to them. Um, my third house is, um, the cusp starts in um, Pisces. Pisces rules my third house. So for me, I, again, with that like heavy Piscean energy, it's when I communicate or when I engage with people around me, it's as if I'm communicating or engaging with myself. Yeah. Um, it's It's definitely very personal that way and um also very emotive like you're very much like when you talk you're like I want it to be I want it to feel like this you know like right. when you're talking about like our intro music you're like I want it to feel like this this is what I want to create in somebody else it's emotive but different than cancer yeah. it's yeah it's emotive in a very um Heady, dreamy, yeah. dreamy sort yeah. of way. Yeah. And I also, I mean, I, the way that I 
come up with the analogies to explain the signs is is very Piscean, right? Like mm-hmm. my communication style, that the analogies, the sort of um, poetic quality that mm-hmm. I, I pull into words, um, yeah, is is definitely third house related. Um, so, you know, and you can layer these things, right? So like I, if we take all of that, again, mercurial energy, my mercury is in Scorpio. So I like to cut through to the depth of things. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that very Marianas Trench energy again, like I like to go as deep as possible with um, how I'm communicating. And then I like to have that sort of dreamy, Piscean quality to it with my third house. Um, So you can see how it gets very tricky and complicated and layered very quickly. That's why all of these aspects are important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So to keep keep going. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I was about to start like, you know, cracking the whip. Let's go. Fourth house. Rain in that Piscean communication. Yeah. (laughs) Wax poetic forever. Um, Fourth house is ruled by cancer. Um, So very cancerian and cancerian. Yeah. Um, energy. And that relates to our family and our home, our, our physical home. Um, how we make our home, where we find our home, um, and where the cusp lands, the sign that rules that has a huge impact on on where you live. So say that you have your fourth house, um, the cusp starts in Sagittarius and ruled by Sagittarius. Um, it could potentially mean that you find you describe yourself as a citizen of the world um, and that you have difficulty with physical roots that you need to um, live in as many places as you can possibly manage. Um, That's one particular illustration. I wouldn't say that everybody with Sagittarius in the fourth house um, would be that way because uh, you know there's there's a lot of different ways that you can interpret Sagittarian energy, but yeah. it's I mean it's a possibility. That's a it's an illustration of that particular yeah. energy. And the fourth house also deals like with your childhood as Correct. well, like your childhood home. So yeah, that like um, I have Leo in the fourth house. So they say for people who have Leo in the fourth house, you um have you felt like you were on display or like like having to perform as a kid. Mm. So it's funny because like, I was like, my parents were literally like, when people were over, I was like, come and sing for us. Like, come sing a song. And like, I, I mean, I was happy to, I was happy oh, yeah, to do Leo, it. Leo, yeah, Leo exactly. I mean, of I came over, I would be too. like, oh, and my sister hated it. So like, literally they'd be like, Jesse, sing this song. And I'd be like, okay. And I'd start singing and they'd be like, Jill, why don't you sing like your favorite song? And she was like, no. And I was like, I'll sing her favorite song. Song, and they would start singing first. Too. <laughs> that is a perfect illustration. Yeah. <laughs> and oh now I'm like, I love hosting. Like that, yeah. I love hostessing. I love having people over. I love having the holidays at my house. Like, yeah, yeah I, I love to perform. 
in uh, my home. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is I told, such- yeah, Ian's got a baritone ukulele and I told him, I was like, oh my God, you need to learn. I was like, you need to learn that like Hawaiian Christmas song. We're going to sing it at Christmas. I'm going to sing it and you're going to play. Like I, I said that to him like the other day. <laughs> oh my God. This is like an actual nightmare for me. <laughs> Oh, I could never, I could never. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know that that's necessarily, so my fourth house is Aries and I don't know that that would necessarily um, explain that nightmare for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's more that it's like, I'm just always happy to step up and like take the spotlight in my own house. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, it's, I love that. That That is a really, really beautiful illustration of that energy. Yeah. Um, so next house on our list would be, um, fifth house, which is, um, ruled by Leo and has, um, everything to do with how we relate to our creativity. Um, and funny enough, it actually has, um, an interesting impact on our romantic lives. Fifth house is, is definitely, um, romance energy in there, um, and that's because everything on that that bottom hemisphere of, of your chart is more internal. Um, so even though uh, Leo is such a um, gregarious sign, um, because we're looking at houses and not necessarily um, the signs that they're related to, uh, you can think about that sort of internal Leo energy. Um, mm. So really like the fires that burn in you. Um, you know, that, that bonfire in your gut to use the analogy from earlier. Um, so yeah, fifth house, um, how you express your creativity, um, and how you, you know, relate to romance and, and, and your various passions. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. So I have a question on that one because I'm struggling to relate mine to that because yeah, I have um, my uh, my uh, fifth house is in Virgo, right? So like I'm just well, like and that's exactly feeling, it. So your houses yeah. will will right. like line up with sign after yeah. sign unless you have intercepted houses, which is mm. we'll do a separate episode on that um, for you folks who are you know following along with your chart and are like, well, I have a house that has the same sign or I have two houses with the same sign. That's an interception. That's very complicated and we're not going to get into it in this. Okay. Uh, I have that. So we'll just not mention it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For now, it's really more important to understand the energy of each house. Anyway. Yeah. I uh, derailed your question. Yeah. About the house. (laughs) Yeah. I'm trying to think about like, I guess it's because like I really – I'm like, how does Virgo play out in that aspect of my life? And I'm, I'm like struggling with that question. I don't know how that, what that would look like. Okay. So, um, what I'll do, and this will be a good exercise for people listening to take away, um, take the analogy of Virgo mm-hmm. that we had earlier of the cave. Um, right. and oh, I immediately have it. Yeah, I got it. Okay, so illustrate. Okay, but oh yeah, but keep going, keep going. Sorry, I cut off your homework. No, I mean like that's yeah. that, that's like, that's exactly it. It's gonna click. So you yeah. take the analogy of the sign mm-hmm. and place it to the where that 
the house represents? Where in your life would that cave-like Virgo energy relate to creativity and romance? It's funny, like Ian's always saying that he he's always like learning something new about me, even though I repeat the same stories like all the time, but he'll be like, I didn't know that about you. Like I was just on a podcast. I've been trying to get him to listen to it. Cause I was like listening to myself and I was like, I didn't know that about me. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> interesting. I think he'll definitely feel that way, but he feels that way for sure. And, um, well, I yeah, think there's, that there's always, another yeah. beautiful part of that illustration, right? Is that yeah. the fifth house relates to creativity Mm-hmm. So of course you're always going to learn something new about yourself. Yeah. And of course right. he's always going to learn something new about <laughs> you because it's creativity and it's romance. Yeah. Um, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I am so, definitely got like a cave, like kind of minds up in me. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's a perfect sort of melding of that cave-like Virgo energy in that fifth house, that bonfire of you, where in your life you, you, kindle that bonfire and mm. so yeah bringing together that that sort of virgo internal energy and that leo external energy um yeah that's a really beautiful illustration of that i'm glad and i think that that's question. like really the main takeaway here too is that like taking those analogies of the signs and then being like where in my life am i an ocean where in my life am i this like you know what i mean like that is a really great way to illustrate it i think that creates absolutely like a perfect language for it and i think that that's why it's important to understand the houses too is that like I don't have any planets in Libra, for example, mm. but, and, but I have Venus, which has Libra energy, and I have the seventh house, which is Libra energy. That's an aspect of my life. So, you know, there are different ways that the signs will come up for you and you will relate to all of the different signs in different ways. It's just mm. how you uniquely piece them together in your existence. Yeah, that makes sense. And on that note, we can go into the sixth sign and finish these yes. or sixth house and finish these up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the sixth house is related to um or ruled by Virgo. Um, and it's the last of that southern hemisphere of the chart of that sort of like internal relation. Um And that has to do with our health, our routines that we make for ourselves, the sort of like day jobs that we choose, um, really that, you know, Virgo earthy structure, but, uh, you know, in that exploration sort of way. and all of that, that internal dialogue about that. Um, yeah. So right. that's sixth yeah. house. Um, next, after that, we're going into the um, top hemisphere of the chart, which is more um, external parts of our lives. Um, and the seventh house is uh, related to Libra and has to do with our partnerships. So that can be romantic partnerships, that can be work-related partnerships, anything um, collaborative, like one-on-one collaboration. Mm. Um, 
very sort of like more personal, interpersonal. Can I tell you something funny about mine? Please do. Um, mine is in Sagittarius and uh, what are we doing here? <laughs> I got you with all your Sagittarius energy. How uh, funny is that? Absolutely. No, actually, <laughs> that's what's so fun about this is that you may find that you, once you start really getting into this and understanding the people around you and their charts, that certain signs, certain energy keeps showing up in certain areas of your life because those signs magnetically are pulled to those areas for you. Um, and the same thing will come up in human design, which uses astrology. And we'll get into that in the human design episode. Yeah. Um, oh, but that is... Not, yeah. <laughs> Stay away from that just, today. Yeah. Just a teaser. Just a teaser. There are so many reasons that certain kinds of people will pop up into your life. Yeah. Um, but I actually have an illustration for this. I work with somebody who is Pisces um, and constantly has Scorpios coming up in various areas of his life. And usually it has to do with... Um, work or spirituality. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. Um, and I have to pull apart his chart a little bit more to see exactly why that is, but mm -hmm. very, very consistently he finds that catalytic people in his life are Scorpios. Yeah. And like, that's, um, that's funny. Cause like I told you about how I have so, so many close friends or Tauruses right. for me. Yeah. yeah. So that makes sense. And like, I have um, cancer in my, or my second house starts in cancer. So people who are closest to me. Right. Tauruses. Absolutely. Yeah. And mm -hmm. yeah. And for me, it's Leo's. I have so many Leo's in my life. Um, and like just very, very dear people. But the interesting thing for me is that Leo on my chart, um, is, um, void of any planets. I don't have any planets in Leo. And I also don't have any planets in my fifth house related to Leo. So mm. it's like energy I crave. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and just like, ah, oh, I love warming by their bonfires. My Leo friends, mm, I love gassing yeah. them up. They're my yeah. favorites to gas up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cause they, they just, respond so well to it. Oh, they love it. They love it. Like it's, it's as much for me as it is for them. <laughs> my, yeah. My cat's a Leo and I'm surprised she hasn't tried to come in here and get on this podcast. Cause anytime oh. I'm on zoom, she's like, Oh, a camera. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, literally like every I time I i've done it. so many coaching calls where she's just like laying on me and i'm like sorry guys like sorry I know. for but. people who don't follow jesse on instagram yet you have to follow jesse and see her <laughs> you know she's funny yeah hilarious yeah. yeah oh my god yeah she's really funny all right let, okay let's so. uh because i'm excited about getting to the 10th house because i got questions for you so we gotta okay keep it all right we'll get there we'll get yeah. there um, so yes, seventh house related to Libra and partnerships. Mm -hmm. Eighth house, um, is going to be, uh, related to, ruled by, uh, Scorpio and has to do with, um, that's, you know, fairly typical Scorpion energy of that transformation, death, sex, occultism, um, and, uh, like I had kind of previewed before, it relates to, um, to, to social resources, to shared resource. Um, so 
it it will have an impact on like things in your eighth house will have an impact on um your sex life but it i find really more has to do with um resources Hmm. for people so i find that they relate to their resources um through their eighth house um in more of like blocks Mm. there's a lot of work to be done in the eighth house because it's all about transformation again um anything that's transiting through your eighth house is is going to be like a very transformative experience for you aka Um, awesome shit oh yeah no i mean any sort of plutonian scorpion energy is it's it's a shit kicker in your life. It's coming through. It's tearing shit down so that you can get something new. Like mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's intense energy. Um, and it can feel dark, um, you know, which again, related to occultism. Um, but if you, so if you have a, a fairly stacked eighth house with a lot of planets in it, you may find that, you know, you really lean into that kind of energy and you feel very masterful of it. Mm. Um, and that it's not necessarily um, a dark thing for you, but more of like a, a tool. Or depending on you know how the planets in your eighth house, you know, are interacting with other planets around them, it may be um, difficult placements. It may be something where it feels really dark and like something that you can just never seem to get to be stable Mm. it's constant transformation so it's an interesting house to work with it's it's murkier um as far as description goes but when you know that energy you know that energy yeah you're you're talking and i'm i'm like already like so illuminated on like what my issues are like very clearly oh yeah that's it's a very good place to go play with um understanding your shadow side oh yeah definitely Yeah. yeah lots of shadow work in in the eighth house um, hmm. moving from eighth house into ninth house, ninth house is ruled by Sagittarius and has everything to do with, um, travel, philosophy, higher education is a big aspect of the ninth house. Um, so how we relate to learning about the world around us and engaging with the world around us, um, less about, um, facts knowledge like Gemini and more, um, about, you know, knowledge with a capital K, um, ninth house is, is definitely strong energy for that. If you have a lot of, um, planets and, um, significant placements in the ninth house, chances are you love learning and again, probably, um, would, identify as like a citizen of the of the world Mm. um so yeah ninth house very good Mm. stuff there um okay juicy 10th house let's do it juicy 10th house i know you're ready so the 10th house is more of our long-term career goals um sort of like the career path we choose it's the long game uh, legacy, I find, is the word that really fully encapsulates the energy of the 10th house. Um, so folks who have um, a lot of energy in their 10th house will be really um, 
focused on the narrative of their life, the legacy they leave behind, um, the things that they can pass on to their descendants if they're choosing to have children or what they're passing on to the world as a whole. Um, legacy is very, very important to um, folks with a lot of energy in the 10th yeah. house. Now, this is also referred to as the midheaven. That's correct. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, midheaven. So, again, like the, the midheaven is often related to career. Okay. Yeah. Um, is that just, it's just like another name for it, basically? Is that what it is like, or is it something more detailed? Um, so, Midheaven is the the name for that cusp line. Okay. So not the whole house. It's just oh. that line. Okay. Yeah. So you've got, um, and my Latin's bad, so I'm not going to say it, um, but you've got, it'll come up as MC on the chart and the opposite yeah. of that is your IC. Right. Um, and so those cusps will relate to um directional energy that okay. way all right um but uh the 10th house as a whole doesn't necessarily relate to your midheaven it's just that line okay okay that's that was one of my questions the other question is that so yes. i have aquarius in my tent like my 10th house is in aquarius okay and i have read allegedly that this is a placement that like a, bu- a bunch of famous people have like you're basically <sighs> predestined to be famous so <laughs> am i gonna be famous and if so when not really but kind of <laughs> thank you for like, ye- <laughs> oh sorry did i scream in your ears? yes oh my thank God, you for sorry. yelling that at us i know you're so excited yeah. <laughs> um I am going to, I don't know what placement is going to cause this for me, but I don't know shit about famous people. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably that I have a really stacked 11th house and like, I don't, I don't know. It was like a deep, it was another one of my like internet rabbit holes, like reading about the mid heaven in the 10th house, like at 2 a.m. on my yeah. phone. One well, of those. That's when you learn a yeah. lot of good astrology mm, shit. Is it is. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess so, I, that's it. Yeah. but So, I, like, I guess it's just because, like, Aquarius, like we talked about, is, like, an agent of change. Is yes. that really what it is? And, it is. Yeah. Okay. So, I would say, I mean, well, the, and the thing about it is that 10th house is so focused on legacy and you know, famous sort of celebrity people are, their their career is mm. legacy. So like their career is career. Like yeah. it's, you know, it's, it, <laughs> they, they, they've made being known everything. Yeah. So okay. um, I would say that the argument that I would make to support that would be that Aquarius is, such a rebel and a change maker that it's easy to get noticed to get noticed and to have something important to say 
that is worthy of having a legacy. So yeah, yeah, I, that, that would be the argument that I would make for that. Um, mine is Libra. Mm. So for me, it's all about the people that I'm working with. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Okay, that was basically my question that I shouted. Sorry. Yeah, no, you yelled that at us. But you're very yeah, excited. I was just okay. got so excited. I so. love it. I love it. No, please. It's great. Um, all right, last two, last two, and then yes, we'll call we're, it. We're we're almost done, folks. Thank you for for sticking with it. It's it's juicy. Um, so after the tenth house is the eleventh house, which is related to. Aquarius. It's ruled by Aquarius. Um, and that has everything to do with, um, again, technology, but also humanity as a whole. So um, what that means as far as like the how and um, where in your life and on your chart um, people with a lot of 11th house energy are the kind of people who you would see sign up first for causes. Um, they're probably mm. the, um, you know, the people who have all of the labels, um, you know, that they're, uh, this ist and the, that and you know they're they're the ones that probably try on all of those different causes in college <laughs> um oh, yeah you know and um but they're also people who are constantly checking in on the pulse of the world um so they're the ones you might find if you have a lot of energy in the 11th house um you may be the person that your community goes to for news. Yeah. You're um, like, I have a lot of 11th house energy and all of this is true. I, I do have a lot of 11th house energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have, so let's start a podcast, <laughs> obviously. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Let, me, let me use technology to uh, talk about all of the things that are important to, uh, I don't know whatever <laughs> to, to us and the world. I hope so. I really hope it's, imp- I, I really hope it's important for y'all. Hell yeah. It's important um, to the right people. Yeah. I have four planets in the 11th house. Yeah. Wow. I have, I think I had the same, or I have three maybe. Yeah. I got three. Yeah. I also, um, three of my four are, um, personal planets. So I have, Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. I have the sun, I have Venus and I have Mercury in the 11th house. Um, so very, very related to, uh, humanity, which is difficult with my Neptune first house placement because humanity is me. And if humanity is suffering, I am suffering. Um, and then I also have Pluto, which, you know, is the ruler of my sign. Um, Mm -hmm. so Pluto and the sun sitting next to each other, like, yeah, it's, there's some intense energy in the 11th house for me. Yeah. Um, I'm I also, have, yeah. I, I care very strongly about causes. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, I was both, like, I was a vegetarian, I was a vegan, and I was very proud of it. It's like that joke they say, like, how do you know the difference between a vegan and a vegetarian? They'll tell you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, a vegan will tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I also, so I grew up 
basically vegetarian. Um, mm-hmm. I did not eat meat as a kid um, and was vegan through a lot of college. Um, not these things now, um, but I do like care strongly about yeah. farming and I'm very, you know, oh, me too, careful yeah. about where things come from and, mm-hmm. you know, all of those activist things, all of those. Oh yeah. yeah. Me too. Yeah. My moon is in the 11th, is in the 11th house. And so like, I feel the problems of the world very keenly. When I had like my breakdown before I went on antidepressants, um, I had like one night where I had an anxiety attack over global warming. Mm. I was just like sobbing in my bed and I was like, we're killing the earth and I can't do anything about it. So I have... <laughs> A much angrier relation to all yeah. of this because my Mars is in Aquarius. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like it is in my blood to fight about these things. Like I, I don't panic about them. I don't get sad about them. I do feel like they are happening to me and it makes me fucking angry. Yeah. Um, yeah. I get really, really fucking angry about shit when it comes to things that are happening to, um, to humanity and the planet and all of that. So yeah. Hope you guys are ready for that. Yeah. Well, it's um, perfect for this. So yeah. Right. So, um, naturally we will end with the 12th house. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 12th house is ruled by Pisces. Um, the last one in the lineup and, the 12th house is the realm of your life that has to do with, um, it has to do with collective unconscious. Um, it also has to do with spirituality. Um, people with a lot of 12th house energy will probably have to, at some point, wrestle with some psychic abilities. Um so, um, you know, might not necessarily understand that that's why that's happening, but it will be happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there's something to be said to everybody having, um, abilities or access to abilities, but for f- folks with 12th house energy, it is especially easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And very, very heavy in that Piscean sort of illusions, dreamy, you know, spirit realm. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. For sure. Yeah. Guess who also has a lot of energy in their 12th house? Who? It's me. (laughs) (laughs) I was genuinely like, I should have seen the setup coming and I was genuinely Yeah. You were way set up for that one. Who? What? Who has it? Me. Yeah. Yeah. So my- um, Yeah. You're super powerful. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I have Saturn, I have the moon, and I have Uranus. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So- Lots of it. Wow. Yeah. Especially- Yeah. I know we've talked about basically our charts this whole time, but now I think um, we should just give a recap of our big three, just so people, now that they've been through signs, the planets, the houses, they can like speak the language and get a, remind them like what our place, what our uh, big three are. So that way. Absolutely. They know their expectations for this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my big three, my son is Scorpio. My 
rising, my ascendant is Sagittarius and my moon is Sagittarius. Um, My sun is in my 11th house and my moon is in my 12th house. Hmm. Okay. So I'm a Pisces sun. I am a Gemini rising and then a Pisces moon. So uh, lots of duality. Yeah. Um, And what houses are those in for you? My sun is in the 10th house in my midheaven. And the moon is also 10th? The moon is in 11th. Oh, so they're split between that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cusps matter, people. That's why cusps matter. In that case, what does that mean? Like, what can I expect from that? Well, so, I mean, it's not super surprising. I mean, the sun in the 10th house is, it it makes sense. There's a lot of- um, Because I'm going to be famous. Right. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. so yeah, that that sun sort of Leo energy in that legacy heavy 10th house. Um, but with that Piscean moon, it's humanity related. So you crave that legacy, but your emotional drive is for others. Oh yeah. For global percent. community. Yeah. It's you may be driven to be the face for things, but it is really because you are seeking um, to better that global community. That's so funny because I always say, like, I had a lot of, <clears throat> I had a lot of shadow around um, wanting to be famous. Like, oh no, I just want to be seen. It's like, no, bitch, I want to be famous, and I've like come to like embrace that. And I say it's because like the way that I want to impact the world, I need a big spotlight. I need a huge stage. So yeah. like it's it's from an authentic place. Like I want to like have a huge impact and like really impact and change the world. And in order to do that, like I got to be famous. People got to hear you. They got to hear, hear you. So yeah. yeah. So no shadow there anymore. I'm like, bring yeah. it on. I'm ready. Me, I'm Scorpio. I'm like, please just leave me behind the scenes. Don't look at me. Yeah. <laughs> Please just leave uh, me alone. Just leave yeah. me alone. <laughs> perfect, perfect duo then, because I can do all the public facing. Yeah, right. Just like when I was a kid. Jill, why don't you sing your song? No, I'll sing it for her. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, don't get me wrong, though. My Jupiter is in my third house. So communication yeah. is definitely, I, I definitely yeah. love, but it's all about teaching for me. Yeah, yeah. So- we're good. That's why we are podcast hosts of this yeah. awesome show. Yeah. And on that note, we'll wrap it up because it's already getting winding. So, and after this, you guys can tune into an episode on <clears throat> human design. Yes. Um, also, if you have questions related to astrology, anything that we talked about specifically in this episode, please do feel free to comment and ask Um We'll do our best to, yeah. to answer those questions because we are going to be talking about astrology quite a bit more. Um, there's so much to talk about with it, and this is really just really you know, skimming the surface. Yeah, and it was <laughs> it's a vast surface to skim. Like there's so much to talk about. Um, yeah. So- Definitely, please leave your questions. Um, and I will tell you how to contact us. You can definitely like hit us up on Instagram mm-hmm. at Millennial Mystics. And we have an email address as well. That's millennialmystics at gmail.com. We're probably going to update that to 
our website, which is in the works. Yes. So in the meantime, that's where you can find us. And we will also have a Millennial Mystics community space on Facebook. So you can come chat with us there. We can answer your questions. Please do. And all of that will be in the show notes. All right, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, everybody. Special thanks to Jack Da Silva for our dope-ass intro music, Lindsay Allman for our transcendent logo and cover art, and Hope Clinton for her superb audio editing. Tune in every Friday for the latest episode, and don't forget to rate and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts.